Um, let's turn for our scripture reading this morning to Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to look at verses 6 uh, to 15. It's on uh, page 229 in the uh, Bibles uh, in the back of the seats. Um, as you know, we've been going through the book of Joshua for a few weeks now. Uh, it's a story, I suppose, of how the people of Israel uh, entered, conquered, took possession of the land uh, that God had promised to them. Uh, but it's more than a story of uh, conquest and possession. It's also really about how God uh, keeps his promises. I suppose the key verse is in uh, chapter 23, verse 14, um, where Joshua says to the people, you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So really the book of Joshua is a kind of illustration how, how God not only makes, but he keeps his promises. God's promises never fail. Uh, last week, uh, Drew did quite a, a big survey of uh, a number of chapters which covered the whole of the uh, people taking possession of the uh, north of the country. Uh, this morning, I just want to focus in on one individual and his part in, in that. So we're going to look at Caleb. He's one of the minor characters in Scripture, um, but he's one of my favorites. So let's look at uh, what uh, Joshua says about him. Joshua 14, and beginning to read at verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly, so that on the day Moses swore to me the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that, we, that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron was, has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. 
Hebron used to be called Kiriath Arba after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from war. Well, how, how do you sum up a person's life in just a few words or a phrase or a sentence? Uh, as some of you know, our oldest daughter married an American fella and uh, went to live uh, uh, off in America, and the first house they lived in was just opposite a graveyard. So whenever we went to visit, I would often take a walk around the graveyard, and when some of the kids were small, I would take them with me, and we would walk around the graveyard, and I would uh, stop and read a lot of the headstones there, what was written on these headstones. Uh, and sometimes it was something like um, a loving wife, mother and grandmother. That's, in fact, what we actually put in my mother's gravestone when she was buried down in Clandy Boy. But that summed up, you know, her, her life, a loving mother, uh, wife, and, and grandmother. Or sometimes in that cemetery, there seemed to have been quite a lot of people who'd been in the military. And in America, they seemed to have a, a great uh, respect for those who've served in the military. And you would often find a little American flag at those graves and something written like served his country with uh, distinction or with courage in Korea or Vietnam or Afghanistan, uh, wherever. But how, how do you sum up a person's life in just a few words? Well, I think if we were trying to sum up Caleb's life, uh, the author of, of this book of Joshua really gives it to us. If you notice, as we read through this section here, a phrase came up three times. It says, he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. You get that down at, in verse 14. Uh, at the end of our, our reading, at the end of the verse, it says, he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. But if you look near the beginning of our reading, up in, in verse 8, the second half of the verse, it says, I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Or the next verse, at the end of it, Moses said, You have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And if we went, took the time to go back into the book of Numbers, we would find that there again, three times it's stated that Caleb followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. Six times in all in the scriptures it says this of Caleb, He followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. So that made me think, what does it mean to follow the Lord wholeheartedly? You know, when, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he calls us to follow him with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. He doesn't call us to follow him half-heartedly. He doesn't call us to follow him and be lukewarm. He calls us to follow him wholeheartedly. So what does it mean to be a wholehearted follower of the Lord? I think in Caleb's life, we can see at least three things that it meant for Caleb uh, that we can uh, take to heed this morning. The first thing, I think, is that it means willing to be in a minority no matter what the cost. Willing to be in a minority, no matter what the cost. 
uh, when I was in Sunday school uh, many, many years ago, we used to sing a little chorus. Twelve men went to spy in Canaan. Ten were bad and two were good. Some saw giants big and strong. Two saw grapes in clusters fall. Anybody else sing that in Sunday school? A few heads are nodding. Now, they sort of got, I think the choruses have improved since my day that they sing in Sunday school these days. But that was, that actually contained a good summary of the biblical account of Caleb and Joshua. Uh, If you remember what happened, whenever they came into the uh, land or what, no, sorry, before they came into the land, when they were in the desert wilderness, had been delivered, the people of Israel had been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They're in in, in the desert, uh, and before they enter the promised land, Joshua, or sorry, Moses sends Joshua and Caleb and 10 others, 12 in all, into the land to spy it out, to see what it's like, to make preparations, to see what they'll be up against when they actually invade the land. And uh, uh, 10 came back, and they gave a report. You can read all about this in Numbers 13 and 14, but we read there that when they came back, they said, well, the, the people are powerful. The cities are fortified. There were even giants there. We can't do it. We should have stayed in Egypt and died there. And in fact, we should just go back there now. This was a report of 10 of these spies. They said, they looked at the giants. They looked at the problems. They looked at all the difficulties and said, look, we just can't do it. But you notice what Caleb says. Look at verse um, 7 here. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. So he goes up with these others. And it says, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. So Caleb says, I brought back a report according to my convictions, literally according to my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people sink. The others didn't like what Caleb had to say. You know, Caleb came back and it was his conviction. It was in his heart. He looked at the land. He looked at all the problems. He looked at all the difficulties. But it was his conviction that they could do it because the Lord had promised them the land. And so he believed in the Lord's promise and he believed that they could do it no matter what the difficulties. But the other people who went up, the other spies who went up, they looked at all the problems and they, they, they didn't believe in the Lord's promise. And they said, we can't do it. They said, we're, we're in terrible trouble here. The best thing we could do is just go back to Egypt and die there. But Caleb brought him this, uh, his report along with Joshua. Yes, we can do it. The problem was when then Joshua and Caleb did that, if you go back to Numbers, you, or you, you read there that the whole assembly uh, talked about stoning them. That's what it says in Numbers 14, verse 10. The whole assembly, all the, the people were infected by what the other spies said. And they didn't want to listen to Caleb and Joshua. In fact, they wanted to get rid of them. They wanted to stone them. The point is, you see, that Caleb was a man who had his convictions about the Lord and his promises. 
He stood up for them, even though he was in a minority. And it, it cost him. It was unpopular. The people who, who heard him, they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to silence him. They wanted to kill him. You see, for Caleb, following the Lord meant being willing to speak up, stand by his convictions, even though it meant being in a minority and even at the risk of his own life. He's prepared to stand up for what he believed in, even though it was costly. That's one of the things it means to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. And isn't this a challenge for us today? To follow the Lord wholeheartedly will mean very often being in a minority. Maybe in your own family or at school or university or at work or in the sports team that you play on. You could well find yourself in a minority because of your convictions. uh, Because you believe in Jesus and follow him. You can find yourself in a minority. And it could mean that you are maybe shunned by others, you're unpopular, uh, life's made difficult for you. It can be difficult. I remember whenever I was at school, uh, I was in quite a fortunate position. I had a lot of Christian friends. Uh, And looking around now today, I see there's been such a shift in our society over the past 50 years or so. We live in a much more secular society. So I think today for young people at school or at university, they're going to find themselves in a very difficult position at times. If they say, well, they believe that God is the creator of all that we see. It hasn't all happened by chance, but there is a God who has made all these things well, they're going to find themselves quite often being ridiculed for that belief. Or if they say they think, well, marriage is actually a relationship between a man and a woman, well, our society today says something which is considered you know, quite different from that. If they say that they believe that Jesus is the only way to God, uh, that he died for our sins and rose again from the dead, again, they're going to be dismissed as being intolerant and not inclusive. I feel today it is difficult for Christians to find themselves in a minority and it can be costly to stand up for what you believe in. I think those of us who are older, we really need to pray for our young people at school and university when they find themselves maybe in such a situation. To follow the Lord wholeheartedly means to be willing to be in a minority, even when it costs. Second thing I think which we see uh, here, to to follow the Lord wholeheartedly means continuing to believe in the promises of God throughout all the ups and downs of life. What kept Caleb following the Lord was his faith in God's promise. If you look at this chapter here, chapter 14, verse 9, and he's referring, uh, it's referring back to the situation 40 years earlier when Caleb and Joshua came back with their report and the other spies came back with theirs. 
And we read in verse 9, So on that day, Moses swore to me, as Moses swore to Caleb, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Moses swore to him at Kadesh Barnea 40 years, 45 years earlier that the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance. And Caleb believed that promise. Caleb believed the promise that God had given to him. If you look at verse 10, uh, we, see, we see it says, Now then, just as the Lord promised, at the end of the verse, um, since the time he said this to Moses, or again in verse 12, it says, Now give me the hill crontage that the Lord promised me, just as the Lord said. See, Caleb believed what God had promised. And he held on to that. You know, faith, you know, sometimes we get mistaken ideas about faith. Sometimes people say, well, you're lucky. You, you, you can have faith. I can't have faith. As if faith was some kind of mysterious substance that some people had and others don't. Just the way some people, you know, I've got a, an ear for music and they can play by ear. And, and sometimes people say, well, I, I wish I could, you know, I had that faith that I could do that. And they seem to think faith is something similar to that. It's just something some people have. And, 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 uh, but it's not, it's not mysterious like that. It's not mystical like that. It's not just a feeling. It's not just uh, an optimistic view of life. It's not just... It's not a leap in the dark. It's none of these things. Faith actually has an object. Faith is always in something. And in the Bible, faith is always in, in God and in his word. Faith is in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work. Faith is in the promises which he has made. Faith has an object. And more often than not, the object that is brought before us is the word of God, the promises of God, that God promises in his word that those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as his son, that their sins are forgiven and they will have eternal life. That's the promise of God's word. And faith is, is believing that promise and holding on to that promise. And, and that, that, that's, that's really what faith is. And that's what Caleb had. That was his faith. God had given him a promise and he was holding on to it. Um, you know, I think the best definition we have of faith in the Bible is Romans 4, verse 21. Um, I won't get you to turn to it now, but it really is, I think, a crucial verse which has helped me over and over again. And we read there in Romans 4, 21 that Abram, being fully persuaded, that God has power to do what he promised. That Abraham, the forerunner, the, the, the pioneer, back at the, in Genesis, he believed God and obeyed him because he was fully persuaded that God was able to do what he promised. That's what faith is. 
Do you have that faith this morning? Are you fully persuaded that God is able to do what he has promised? He has promised that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and as your Savior who died for your sins and rose again, that that, then your sins are forgiven. That's what it means to believe. And, And there are other promises too which we can believe. He promises to be with us and never leave us nor forsake us. So faith is believing in the promises of God. And that's what Caleb did. He had this promise that he would inherit this portion of land. Now, the thing I want to draw attention to you is that he kept on believing in that promise through all the ups and downs, through many years. He he says, if, if you look at verse 10, he has kept me alive for 45 years. Since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. God had given him that promise when he was 40. 45 years later. 45 years later in which he spent his time wandering around in the wilderness. Waiting. Waiting. Waiting for that promise to be filled. Watching as the others who who didn't believe them the promise, perished and died in the wilderness. But he kept on believing, even as the years passed. He not only he believed in God's promise, he continued to believe in, in his promise. I'm sure we all know people who have professed faith in Christ and in his word. But as time has passed, They seem to stop believing. They appear to receive God's word gladly. Maybe as a young person at a a scripture union camp or a youth weekend or something. And they begin to follow. But like the seed in the parable of the sower that falls among thorns. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. The desires of other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. They seem to stop believing at some point. And the question arises, well, were they ever truly converted or not? We don't know. It's not up for us to pass judgment on it. But here today, we have to ask ourselves, am I continuing to believe in the promises of God? Am I continuing to believe? To follow the Lord wholeheartedly means not only believing the promises of God and His Word, but to continue to believe in them. Even when you seem to be in the wilderness, even when you face hardships and difficulties and disappointments, even when Life doesn't work out as you would like it to. Do you continue to believe? That's what it means to follow the Lord. To begin by believing, but to continue believing. That's, I think, one of the things which we learn from Caleb. I like the old hymn, Through All the Changing Scenes of Life. In trouble... 
and in joy, the praises of my God shall still my heart and tongue employ. It's not so much about beginning well, it's about finishing well. We've got to keep on believing. That's what it means to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. So it means being willing to be in a minority, even though that can be costly. It means believing God's promises and continuing to believe in them. And it means, I think, thirdly, keeping on serving the Lord as he gives you the strength. If you look at verse uh, 10, it says, now, you, now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. So at this point, he's 85 years old. He'd been 40 when he'd gone as a spy and brought back his report uh, to Moses. But the Lord has blessed him with good health. If you look at uh, the rest of uh, verse 11, he says, I'm still as strong today as the day Moses set, sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, we've got to take this was exceptional, right? This was unique. This was Caleb's experience. Um, the normal pattern for us is, is as we get older, we get weaker, less strong mentally and physically. You know, uh, when you're on, over 70, you realize that sort of different parts of you don't work as well as they used to. You know, things, it's, it's, so this is exceptional. The Lord gave him this strength, right? So he's still strong because the Lord has given him the strength. And so he's ready for a fresh challenge. He says in verse, the next verse, Now give me this hill country. Now I don't like that trans, New International Version translation there. If you read the old King James Version, it is, Give me this mountain. Give me this mountain. I think that indicates more of the challenge that faced Caleb. Um, that's the title, actually, of a book by Dr. Helen Rosevear. You may have heard of her. She was a medical missionary in the Congo, and you may have known something of her story. Back in the 60s, she was brutally assaulted and so on. And, but she went back and continued to serve the Lord. In fact, in her 80s, she ran a I think it was a girls' Bible class here in, um, over at Knock. Over 80, she continued to serve the Lord. But her book was Give Me This Mountain. And that's what Caleb asked. He says, right, here I am. And God has given me the strength. So now I'm up for this fresh challenge. Uh, and at the end of verse uh, 12, he says, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, drive these giants out, just as he said. So the Lord, serve the Lord wholeheartedly, means to keep on serving him as he gives us the strength to do so. Um, normally, as we get older, as I said, our strength gets less physically, mentally. That's the norm. And there's nothing wrong in stepping down from areas of service where you once were active. 
Nobody should be made to feel guilty because as they get older, they feel they can't do as much as they once did. I think the, the, the key principle for me in, in serving the Lord is, comes in the, the, um, the incident towards the end of the gospel where <clears throat> before Jesus, the last uh, few days of, of Jesus' life, he goes to a home in, in Bethany and there's a woman there who takes a jar of, of perfume and anoints Jesus with it. Do you remember that story? And <clears throat> there are people who are cross about that. Some of the disciples said, oh, what a waste. You know, that's terrible. She shouldn't be doing that. Uh, Jesus said, no, she's done a beautiful thing. She's done a beautiful thing for him. And then he said, she did what she could. And for me, that's always been the, the principle that we should apply when we think about, well, Christian service. The principle is you do what you can. Don't get too caught up, about, uh, too worked up, or too uh, worried about, have I got the gifts or whatever to do this? Just ask yourself the question, what can I do? Is there a you know, need for someone to do something in the church? Well, ask yourself the question, can I do that? She did what she could. And here, you know, Jesus doesn't expect us to do what we can't. Just says, do what you can. But here's Caleb. And the Lord has blessed him in an exceptional way. The Lord has given him the strength. The Lord has kept him in good health. He is as vigorous as he was when he was 40 years old. And now he's confident that with the Lord's help, he can take on this fresh challenge. And so I think being a wholehearted follower of, of Jesus means being willing to serve him as the Lord gives you the strength. And as he gives you the opportunity and as he gives you the ability, you keep on serving him. You do what you can. So here's Caleb. Minor character, really, in, the, in Scripture. This is... This is really the only passage we have about him. There's a few other references, but he is a great example, isn't he? And he's a great challenge to us. He served the Lord wholeheartedly. What does it mean to serve the Lord wholeheartedly? Well, it means being willing to be in a minority, even if it's costly. It means to keep on believing in his promises through all the ups and downs of life. And it means being willing to serve as the Lord gives us strength. So could we describe ourselves in this way? Are you serving the Lord wholeheartedly? Are you following Caleb's example. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the instruction that it gives us. We thank you for the challenge which it gives us. And we just pray, our Heavenly Father, that you would speak to us today and challenge each one of us as to 
whether or not we are really serving you wholeheartedly. Maybe we began well, but maybe maybe we've faltered, maybe we've drifted, maybe we no longer serve you with the wholeheartedness we once did. But we thank you that you are a gracious God, a loving God, kind God, merciful God, God who doesn't treat us really as our sins deserve, but a God who is faithful, God who's promised never to leave us nor forsake us, a God who's promised to equip us and to help us and to enable us to do what he calls us to do. So we pray that you might help us all to be wholehearted followers of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.